Welcome to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. We bring you up to date with all the ongoing fixtures domestically and on the international scene. We profile players, both current and former, and tell you all you need to know in the world of cricket. A very warm welcome to the podcast. Great to be back again after an absence, but goodness, we've had all sorts of little annoying issues, microphone problems, and all sorts of frustrating little gremlins. Be that as it may, great to be back with you on the podcast. As Mr. Ross Brownlee Walker alluded to, my name is Dean Duplessis, and you are listening to the Dean at Stumps podcast, as alluded to as well. Now then, if you would like somebody to subscribe, that would be a wonderful thing, and they can do so by finding the Dean at Stumps podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and uh, any of the other podcast apps that are available as well. Should you perhaps wish to sponsor the podcast, that would also be a wonderful thing, and you can do so by reaching out on Twitter, which is at Dean underscore Plessy. And if you're not on social media, well, then you can always drop me an email on dean.duplessis77 at icloud.com. Okay, so uh, let's get straight into the meat and potatoes, shall we? We are going to be catching up with uh, a young all-rounder. Well, he's still making his way in the all-rounder business, but uh, certainly somebody who has provided a bit of entertainment in the eight one-day internationals that he has played for Zimbabwe. Made his T20 international debut against Namibia earlier this year. Not too many people know that it was actually against Namibia that he made his T20 international debut. Many people remember the uh, very good performances that he put in against Bangladesh. And uh, of course, he also has picked up a five-wicket haul, which has uh, been very beneficial for his career perspective and very nearly helped Zimbabwe win a game against India. The man I'm talking about, of course, is Brad Evans. And uh, I was fortunate to catch up with Brad Evans and have a good chat with him. Brad, great to be chatting with you. Um, I I want to first of all just start off by talking about your international debut because that was pretty special, wasn't it? I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start playing the third and final T20 against Bangladesh, winning the game, which ultimately won you the series. And then you're going to win the one day international series against Bangladesh as well. So it's quite a quite a fairy tale start for you. Yeah, there's a bit of a misconception there. I actually made my debut before that series against Namibia in Bulawayo. That's true. Yeah, um, you're not the first person to get that wrong because that Namibia <laughs> series was quite low profile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Bangladesh T20 was great. You know, I, I I had been excluded from the squad and I was a bit down about things. I'd actually had a little bit of an injury before that. Um, and then all of a sudden, I just got a call saying you added to the squad for the final T20. I was like, oof, that's a bit brave with the series at one all to mm. change the team. And I ended up playing and yeah, I took two wickets and won the series, which was pretty, pretty cool. It must have been. And I would imagine one of the things that would have been good for you was playing in front of such a very passionate and supportive crowd as well. Yeah, I think... They, I sort of interacted with them a bit because I was down at long off and um, fine leg. So I had a bit of interaction with them in between balls. And I think it's always good to do that, to get them firmly on your side. Obviously, they're supporting you, but to, to get them on your sort of personal side. Yeah. Um, and I just had a bit of fun with them as well. And yeah, it was great. They, they, they give us so much energy on the field, you know. 
Um, you don't get that anywhere else. Well, I've only now been to Australia, but um, they're, they're just singing and shouting all day long for you, which helps a lot. I, I think it's a very different vibe. You know, obviously, I mean, I've done a little bit of traveling myself, but although the stadiums are considerably bigger, so they ho hold anything between you know, 20 or, or 50,000 people. And obviously that's a lot more than the 10 or 15,000 that we have here. But the vibe itself is, is completely different because they... The, the crowds here, they read and they follow the game. You know, I, certainly I remember back, for, for example, when your dad used to play for the country. Mm -hmm. um, crowds would clap at, at an event, you know, and after the, the, that pretty much just be focusing on their beers and things like that. Whereas mm. the crowds that we have here now, they, they read the game paragraph by paragraph and chapter by chapter, don't they? 100%. I'd say the same, like... Every ball's an event for the crowd yeah. here. You know, like they're cheering a dot ball if you, you're, you're bowling or if you, if you get a single, they're cheering that as a bat when you're batting. Um, you know, when we played in Australia, it was very much quiet. Bowler runs in, bowls the ball, then they sort of respond to what happens at the event of that ball instead of sort of, you know, building up some energy for the ball. Mm. As soon as anything happens, there's a cheer or there's a groan, depending on what happens. Um, like here, so yeah, the, the energy that they give us is huge, and it's been it's been fantastic to play. Uh, have you, I love that. Have you have you ever been uh, on the receiving end of a groan, like when a catcher's gone? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and in that game that we won, the T20, when we beat Bangladesh, they yeah. needed like nine off the last ball, so it was game over. But I was at backward point, and the ball went in the air, so we'd won. So he he hit it straight up, and it, and I knew we'd won. Now I'm trying to backtrack to take this catch and I actually dropped it and the whole crowd for a split second thought we'd lost but we'd won even though we'd dro I dropped that catch on the last ball so yeah I, w I have been on the receiving end of a groan. <laughs> That's beautiful I've never heard it put like that before absolutely <laughs> absolutely brilliant um, yeah and then as you say I mean fine you, you've, you've now been to Australia and, and we're going to talk a bit more about that in depth but I, I just want you to take it back now because uh, when you were a kid, I don't know how much of your dad you would have seen playing, um, but obviously incredibly brutal striker of a cricket ball and a, and a useful medium pacer. Um, but how much, how much of his footage? I don't think there's too much of it available. But have you did, have you seen a bit of his footage? And you know, is there how much did you learn from your dad? I've seen a seen, seen bits and pieces. Um, stuff on YouTube and I think he's got video cassette tapes somewhere yeah. lying around of like full repeats of games but I've never got around to watching them um, and I'm if, if we can find them and locate them one day then I'm sure I'll do that um, but you know taking it back I I remember lying in bed watching you know I was really young lying in bed uh, before my brother was born actually so I would have been three years old, and it's probably my only memory of him of watching him on TV. And he was in Pakistan; they were playing the One Day series in Pakistan, and I think that was his last series. So I, I, I was lucky enough to have watched him play on TV, internet, you know, internationally, but I only got one series to watch. I don't mm. remember anything else. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have that that very fierce competitive streak that he had? You know, so. I can I can vividly remember there was a one-day international played between Zimbabwe and India. It was a triangular series. That was back when 50-over cricket was still highly thought of now, before all this T20 rubbish uh, came and took over. But anyway, it was uh, in a place called Pal, just outside Cape Town. And um, 
Zimbabwe were approaching the end of the innings. Anil Kumble bowling the final over. Your dad nicely set at the crease. And your dad was a very, very feisty character on field, obviously very enjoyable off the field, which is exactly how it should be. And I remember the last six your dad hit of Anil Kumble. I mean, it went literally out of par. And depending on if it was on the leg side, it would have landed in Worcester, which is why I went to school. If it was down the ground, it would have landed in the sea. It's as simple as that. Okay. It was huge. And anyway, your dad just giving Anil the full vocal, you know, like you could really hear him shouting through the stump mics and um, <clears throat> letting him know that you've just been hit for six. Obviously, off the field, you know, it's, it's a very different thing. But do you have those same traits as well? When you Do you like to get in the face of the, of the batter when you're bowling and vice versa? No, simply. Yeah. I'm a lot more reserved um, when it comes to that stuff. I think when I was younger in sort of age group cricket, I used to sort of be the, the, the ringleader of chirping the batsman and stuff but too many times it came around and bit me in, in the bum to mm -hmm. you know it turned around yeah. you say something and you, cricket's the big or sport in general is just the biggest humbler you know you can say something to someone very next ball you can drop a catch or he can get you out or he can hit you for four so you never know what's going to happen and if you put yourself in a position to be let down by something in the future then you're only going to look like an idiot in my opinion mm -hmm. so i you know, I'll encourage my bowlers and I'll make sure I'm making noise and giving energy to the team, but I'm not in the face of opposition. I'm, I know that the opposition, anyone on the other side is there trying to do their best for their side, and, I, and that's the same for me. And when people come at me, I just sort of try, try to brush it off because I know if it gets under my skin, I'm not going to perform and give my side the best chance of winning that game. So I try and just let it brush off me and not to think about it. Did you encounter any verbal sledging from the Aussies when you were in Australia? Nah, they were they were they were very um, timid. Not timid. They they I just I don't think they saw us as a big big threat, mm. and I don't think they needed to get under our skin. Um, even though we won the last game, it just they just never sort of I, I never experienced any hostility. Um, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, so for example, when. Uh, the Zimbabwe team of the early 2000s were there, you know, they certainly got stuck in. McGrath and the late Shane Warne and Gilchrist, all of them w w certainly had a lot to say to the team on the field. But my goodness me, when they crossed that boundary line, things changed dramatically. And I mean, I, I can actually tell you a story that you would find very interesting. When Australia played a one-off test match here against Zimbabwe in 1999, Steve Waugh, uh, actually said to the Australians, you will take not one but two beers into that Zimbabwean dressing room and go and talk. And, and the festivities carried on late into the night, you know, where uh, you'd have Ian, Ian Healy, the wicketkeeper, saying, you know, I was just watching your footwork as a wicketkeeper and I feel that what you were doing is you perhaps you were you were getting into you weren't getting into the greatest of positions. You know, they really were as helpful as they possibly could be. I mean, they're not going to help you during a series, but when all the games have been played, they were most approachable and, and very, very enjoyable to talk to and to learn from. So a lot of the Zimbabweans learned a lot from the Aussies. I, I obviously this is a very short series, but did they share any beers and ideas and so on with you after that third and final one day? Yeah, for sure. I think playing international cricket, it's literally one of the things I look forward to is finishing the series and then and then mingling with the opposition. Unfortunately, 
I think just because of cultural differences with Bangladesh and India, it didn't really happen. Mm. But in my debut series against Namibia, even though we lost, you know, they invited us into their change room and we did have a few beers with them. And, you know, there's Mornay Morkel, the bowling coach in there. So, and David Visa was playing. So there's guys to sort of learn stuff from. And I really, really enjoyed that. And yeah, going to the to, to Australia, you know, there wasn't much um, social uh, social stuff in between the games but at the end we 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 both only had one night um after the game because we were both flying out of Townsville the next day we were flying home and they were going on to Cairns but yeah we we did go out and we did share a few beers and they were very very nice to us and you know they most of them are world superstars and on a lot of money so they they were offering <laughs> to buy all the beers which is really cool <laughs> <laughs> David Visa, I mean that that's a wonderful name. I mean he's done well for Namibia, an outstanding domestic cricketer. A couple of opportunities for the Proteas, but I suppose you and David Miller, uh, David Visa, goodness, <laughs> David Visa would have uh, quite a bit in common, very similar in the way that you go about your game. Yeah, I tried to um, pick his brain as much as possible, just ask you know various little things. And, you know, back, I'm not saying I'm someone now, but back then I was very much a nobody. I just made my international debut and, you know, he, he's played X amount of international games and played franchise cricket all over the world. So I didn't want to chew his ear off too much, um, but I definitely did sort of pick his brain on that all-rounder role. Yeah, can come, especially in these shorter formats. Where, where do you see yourself in, in a couple of years' time? I mean, would you like to also get involved and, and play the longest and the best format of the game, Test Match Cricket? I mean, there is a bit of Test Match Cricket coming up. Is it something that you'd like to be a part of as well, or are you firmly labelled as a limited over player for now? Oh, I don't know if I'm labelled as an, a limited over player, but my favourite format is first class and the longer format, and I, I literally can't wait to play the next first class game. I just find it's, for some reason, I, fi I find it easier with more time available to you, you don't, there's no rush to you know, play your shots, you can be very selective with your balls and when you're bowling you can build a spell and you can work out a batsman. I find the shorter the formats the harder it is, if I'm honest, even though the ball does less and all the things that come with the shorter formats but um, I just find it quite panicky at times with shorter formats and that to think on your feet quickly is harder than to think on your feet when you've got lots of time, in my opinion. Um, so, I, you know, for me, if I get, uh, if I make my test debut, I would have achieved a lot in my career and I'll be very, very um, content then. Um, obviously, I want to push on and make, make a career, a long career out of it, but... Um, getting that test cap is something that will really, really put the cherry on top for me. And of course, there is talk of Afghanistan maybe being here for a couple of test matches. I mean, that would be wonderful if you, I would imagine you would like to do a bit more at first class level. So convert the 30s and 40s into scores of, of significance. And as opposed to getting a couple of, you know, two wicket and three wicket hauls, maybe a, a couple of big fifers as well. For sure. Like, I think everyone now knows that I have the potential to take wickets and score runs um, and I'll be the first person to admit that I've probably underachieved in my short career so far. Um, so as soon as I have the opportunity to go back to franchise cricket, you know, to play for Eagles this year, I'm going to do it and I, I want to, you know, I want to score hundreds and I want to take five wicket hauls um, as many as I can. It's, it's not something that, you know, I don't feel... Um, set in my place in the national side 
and I know that I still need to perform and performing at franchise levels all the selectors can ask from me so I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to a new season to be honest. Have there been people who perhaps may have been a little uh, critical about you making your debut for the country because I know that there were some people who felt that you weren't quite ready yet and they were quite vocal about it. I mean social media can be such a nasty place but anyway have any of the people actually come up to you and said you know what we we didn't think you were ready but what you've done so far has changed our mind. Have you, you know have you had a situation like that? Um, I'm quite bad at going on social media and oh, reading well everything. <laughs> um, as in, I, I go on social media and I do read everything. Mm. So I read the bad, I read the good. Um, unfortunately, so far, it's only really been good. Um, even though I don't feel like I've performed my best, to my best of my ability on the field for in a Zimbabwe shirt yet. Um, but, you know, there's the odd comment about that, you know, I need to score more runs and I need to take more wickets and be more consistent. And... If that's every cricketer's dream is to become more consistent um, but I do feel like my place was deserved my debut and you know all the games I've played so far I think I feel like I've deserved them um, I never feel like I deserve stuff going forward but if I look back I think yeah you know I, I feel like that was the right time for me to play and at, at the end of the day we're a very small pool of players and there's there's people playing that are the best of a small bunch. So, you know, yeah, I might not be ready for international cricket if I was in England or Australia or the West Indies or something like that. But there's not there's no one else in my way at the moment, really. The, you know, um, there's less there's less competition with a small pool of players. So it's either they play me or they try and get me ready playing franchise cricket. But I think I've learned so much more in my eight one-day internationals than I have in three years of playing uh, professional cricket. Mm, yeah, But I, I would imagine there have been some of the more senior campaigners at franchise cricket who you would have learned from as well. Somebody who, even if he hasn't necessarily played a great deal of cricket for Zimbabwe, but I mean, you know, they, they I would imagine, could talk to you and, and be quite useful in terms of... Uh, of playing the circuit and and you know obviously the domestic circuit more particularly yeah for sure and I, they don't have to be senior players you know i i get jealous when someone can do something that i can't and i tend to sort of take that away and go and practice and try and get better at that thing that i'm jealous of them for you know if someone c comes into the eagles side and it happened in my first season actually um tanaka chivanga he came in and he he was quicker than me and I was like, I don't like that. I'm used to being the quickest guy. And I, I started working on my pace. And I think, um, you know, recently I've been bowling a lot, not quicker than him. You know, he's probably a little bit quicker than me, but I've worked on my pace. It's something that I've uh, probably put on about 10 kilometers since first um, playing professional cricket. So it's not, yeah, you can have conversations and learn from people, but it's also watching the game, watching how other people play the game learning, seeing how they do it and sort of adding strings to your bow when you see something that you like in someone else. How do you, how do you learn to bowl quicker? So we, we've often had this problem in Zimbabwe where uh, we have had bowlers who at times have been very quick but not consistently. And it's very seldom that we've actually seen bowlers 
become a bit quicker. Now, how have you gone about, is that strength and conditioning? How does that work? Yeah, I think it's, I, I honestly think it's a lot of everything or a bit of everything. Mm. Um, I stripped it right back and I just thought, right, how are you going to get quicker? Well, if you run in quicker, you're probably going to deliver the ball quicker. So that was number one. Number two, I invested in some better bowling boots for myself so that I felt stronger at the crease. Um, I actually tore ligaments in my ankle and got an ankle reconstruction, which wasn't ideal at the time because I missed a lot of cricket, but I feel like my ankles are stronger now, my landing ankle. Um, I, I have a lot of work and improvement to do in the gym, and I'm really eager to get back in it, but with so much cricket on, it's quite difficult to be in the gym and training all the time. So that's another area. Um, then then I, I've tried to look at my, my action. I, I feel like I've got a good action with potential to bowl quicker. But if I, if you look at my run-up, I sort of tend to jump in a bit yeah, at, yeah. The, at the delivery. And if common sense will tell you that if you driving, let's say you're driving a car in a straight line and all of a sudden you swerve off to the right, you're going to lose speed. It, 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 with the, all the friction and everything that comes along with it. So that's something I'm trying to work on is sort of run in a straighter line and not jump in so much. Um, little things like that and you know, and then at the end of the day it's running in and bowling the ball as hard as and as fast as you can and not bowling, uh, my dad calls them powder puff balls, you can tell <laughs> when you, n you not hit the deck. So when, when I'm bowling I try and make sure that I'm hitting the pitch because Number one, I'm going to bowl quicker, but number two is if I'm letting that ball hit the seam and hit the pitch as hard as I can, it's going to do something for me off that widget. Yeah, yeah it certainly will. And you've got the strong shoulders like your dad as well, uh, which obviously oh. helps quite a bit. Because um, Michael Holding also refers to doing a lot of, you know, having a strong back and uh, trying to ensure. So you can have the release points, which are very important, the way that you get to the, to the crease and that you explode at the crease, I suppose you could say, when you deliver the ball. But... Uh, it, it does also help if um, physically you are you are quite strong, and it doesn't mean that you have to be a, a muscle-bound individual, like very muscular. But you do still have to have that that strength that you can generate your delivery from as well, don't you? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've got a lot of work and improvement to do in the gym, but I just want to probably get this World Cup out the way. And then, you know, there might be a bit of a break between that and Afghanistan if they end up do coming um, and sort of get into the gym and start getting stronger because, you know, I'm in my career now. I'm, I, I'm not waiting to start it. So um, I, do, I know that I do have work to do in the gym and I'm sort of looking forward to that. Um, I've, I've had periods in my life where I've gone to the gym consistently and I've definitely felt the difference. Um, also be, being slightly heavier is another thing that helps with, with bowling. I feel like at the moment I'm quite light. Um, so that's another aspect of bo being able to bowl fast is maybe being a little bit heavier. Nice now that you've got someone like Steve Kirby, uh, who's a very experienced uh, county cricketer, uh, that you're going to be working alongside him. He's only been here for a bit, but has he had any form of, you know, has it been nice working with him? Have you picked up some good positive vibes and energy? Um, he actually hasn't been around at all yet. Right. I think okay. he lands this weekend and starts with us on Monday. Okay. But um, I'm very much looking forward to having him um, around and being able to pick his brain. And being able to just, you know, go to a training session, 
bowl my six, four, four to six overs that I bowl in a day and letting him watch me and just see if there's anything that he can pick up immediately. And, you know, having someone with experience like that watching you is um, all you can really ask for. Yeah, absolutely. But having said that, someone like Jabulun Nube, Papa, as we all call him, I mean, he would have been very instrumental because he was a fine bowler in his day as well. Pup, I've got lots of time for pups and lots of respect for pups. He worked very hard with us, um, and he, he, I think he did wonders with our bowling attack. You know, he was always trying little different things. You know, working on seam position. He was making sure he was um, watching our workloads. Um, he was doing everything right. I think. Um, I just don't think you can replace the experience that Steve Kirby has and unfortunately for pups he's going to have to um go go to the mountaineers he's got the head coach role there so i wish him all the best absolutely and he definitely wow. did definitely did wonders with us yeah. so credit to him you spoke about the world cup brad uh it's it's something we're all looking forward to it's it's you know the nice thing is the qualification is there so we're off i interviewed dave houghton recently and he said to me the the first there's no choice there's no debate we want to qualify, whether it's first or second, but we want to go through to the next group. And apparently he has installed that in you, that, you know, there's no option other than, uh, because on, on Zimbabwe's day, you're capable of beating Ireland, Scotland, the West Indies. There's no doubting that they're all formidable sides, but so are you. And I would imagine that that form of belief that comes, that, that your coach exudes must be wonderful for you as a team as well. Yeah, I mean, I haven't played any of the sides myself, but I I watch a lot of cricket. I'm I'm what you call a, a cricket badger. I love cricket and watching it. Um, and I believe that we will beat Scotland and Ireland. And I firmly believe that West Indies are beatable. They they could have a day out and they could beat us properly. They could because they can do that to anyone in the oh, world. Yeah. They've what they've won two T20 World Cups, so they're not world champions for. For nothing you know um, but they they can have an off day and they can be beaten and we're going there with the aim to not leave anything to chance by winning two games and hoping other people lose certain games we want to go win all three and make sure we qualify um, and then that's the first goal or first job first task first objective mm. is to go there and play those first three games and win those first three games and then whatever happens afterwards, we take one game at a time and we take it as far as we can. I love the way you talk, Brad, and, and I love your cricketing brain. You know, you put a lot of thought into, into what you do. Um, we, we're going to finish up shortly, but there, there's something that I thoroughly enjoyed. Two partnerships with the bat. We've spoken quite extensively about your bowling. Um, two partnerships with the bat that were very good. The first was sadly a game that Zimbabwe lost, got very close. The partnership with Sikanda Raza. I mean, Zimbabwe literally were down and out against India, third and final one day international. Again, you have that passionate crowd behind you. You and Raza get together. Talk us through that innings. That is one of the most frustrating innings I've ever played because I couldn't time a ball to save my life that day. I just had one of those days where nothing was coming out the middle of my bat. But I knew that if I stuck around with Raza, the way he was hitting it, he would be able to score runs. So I told him, I said, today is not my day. Nothing's come out the middle, but I can, I can get the singles. I can put you back on strike. We'll run hard and we'll take this game as deep as possible. And 
I can't tell you how many times I've thought of that ball that I got out on and knowing that I wasn't timing the ball and hitting it well that day, I should not have tried to take on the big shot. I should have just taken it as deep as possible, got Raza back on strike and with the way he was hitting it, like I said already, he would have scored those runs because we lost, I think, was it 13 runs in the yeah, end? Yeah, yes. And there were still balls to spare when we when we were bowled all out there and i know that if we if we were both not out at the end of that game we would have won that game so it's a huge learning lesson unfortunately a very hard one because i'm not going to take all the blame um for it but i definitely think that i could have won us that game if i'd just taken the 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 simpler option with the bat so it's it's great that I was able to do that with Raz and be out there when he scored his 100 but I, I still think about it in a way that I could have won that game for us. And then you were you did take the simpler option and on this occasion against Australia it worked because you and Reggie Chakabba had that vital partnership you were two not out I think at the end yeah. not a great deal of runs not even into single figures but what you did was you ensured that you in fact you scored the winning runs didn't you? I did yeah. Yeah, yeah. tell us about that one now slightly different wasn't it? That was um that day I was feeling good, funnily enough, um, and I kind of wish I had more runs to score because I was feeling that good. Um, and it's quite frustrating because I actually hit that last ball for four, but we ran a single before the ball hit the boundary. Oh. So they only gave me a single because once the, once the game's won, that's it. Yeah. So I had a nice cover drive of Mitchell Stark, but no one will know that. <laughs> they just see a, a single in the scorebook. Um, in the scorebook. But yeah, I, I think... It sort of only kicked in once the game was done and we were back at the hotel and we were having beers with the Australians that it sort of registered to me what we'd done. I think at the time I was just like, okay, we need one to win. I hit the ball, we ran a single and my arms went up and I did a weird little scream and that was that. Was that. And it didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like, immense at the time but I think the feelings developed stronger and stronger since then. Yeah, Brad it's been a joy talking to you uh, there's absolutely no doubt that provided you stay, inj stay injury free you are going to provide plenty of entertainment not only for Zimbabweans but for people around the world for quite a few years to come and uh, wouldn't it be a thing of pure beauty if you could towards the end of your career go to your dad and say you know what dad I got a test 100 and I got a test Pfeiffer and you didn't. <laughs> I can already say that about a five wicket haul in one day cricket. Because so. he never got that, did he? No. Yeah. He, he bought the powder puff stuff, let's be honest. He, didn't he? he was a powder puff he bowler. He was a powder yeah. puff bowler. Yeah, I should remind him about that. You should. Actually. I think it would be a good thing just to remind him. But no. uh, on a serious note, Brad, very big World Cup coming up. You've already laid out the objectives. Um, wishing you all the very, very best of that and look forward to catching up with you when you get back and anything that happens after those three games as you rightly say is taken on a game by game process but we wish you all the very best and i'm pretty sure things will go well for you and for the team thank you so much dean and yeah it's been a pleasure chatting to you fantastic stuff that is brad evans bringing the dean at stumps podcast to an end been in a real joy pleasure and uh, privilege hanging out with you wherever you have been listening to this podcast and uh, thank you very much indeed for listening and for those of you who have just recently subscribed thank you very much as well so uh, we'll be back again pretty soon uh, very optimistic and hopeful 
that uh, we will be catching up with Andy Blichnot in the not too distant future. And uh, certainly, I think uh, we may put him under quite a bit of scrutiny. So uh, pretty much looking forward to that one. Until then, stay safe and uh, take care. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast, presented by Dean Duplessis. Join us again next week and catch up with all the action in the world of cricket.